DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. And there's no annual contract. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. What's going on, y'all? Before we get started, I just want to give you guys a quick heads up about the audio on this episode. It's a little janky because Spotify done lagged out on us uh so we had to take some alternatives to be able to get the recording up but we still got it up i knew i wanted to get it up for you guys man so enjoy this great interview with everyday magic man i want to be the best i want to be the best and that's why that's why i play the game to be the best you have to win and that's what drives me drives me Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Clutch Talk podcast slash YouTube slash We Do It All. As always, I am your host, John. Very happy to be here. My boy, Jay Hills, over there in the six. How you doing, baby? I'm doing good, man. Ready to talk about these magic. Got a great guest on, so let's do it. Oh, yeah. We got a great, great guest on, man. And, you know, for a polarizing team like the Magic, we had to bring a great polarizing guest that has hot takes on his Twitter all the time, man. We are happy to have Everyday Magic on our podcast today. Everyday Magic, how you doing today, man? I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm doing great today. You know, just relaxing at the crib. Uh, for sure, we got some hot takes on the account. Oh yeah, I, I I've I've been I've been looking at your uh, at all your hot takes, man. So I'm I'm definitely happy to uh to to have you on. And for and for all the fans, today is Tuesday, September 21st. Uh, just time stamping this so we can go ahead and uh, get right into it, man. But if the, if all that's out the way, then um you know the first question that we like to ask all the fans here for these team interviews is uh, as a Magic fan, are you content with the way the year went? Absolutely. I mean. For me, I'm not the only one on Magic Twitter that's been asking for this, but I'd say since like 2018, we've been begging for a rebuild. And I'm a big Vucevic guy. I love him. love Aaron Gordon. But we all knew that Vucevic, Fournier, Gordon, that core just wasn't going to work. What are we going to do? Go and compete for maybe like a sixth seed at best. We want to win championships in Orlando. We're not really looking to get a sixth seed. And it was time for so long to get a rebuild. And the fact that we flipped those guys for what we got, like, you trade Vucevic for multiple first-round picks. One pick ends up being the eighth overall pick. That was just crazy value to get, which two years ago, we wouldn't have been able to get that for Vucevic. But then he went made a couple all-star games. We made the playoffs, really went up in his value. Aaron Gordon, we flipped for RJ Hampton, who came in dropping near triple doubles. Like, we're really happy with how it went. Okay, okay. And, you know, I, I, I got to ask you this question, man, because, you know, when when, uh, when we came across your Twitter, we did see at your geographical location said Canada, but you're an Orlando Magic fan. So I got to ask, how did you become a Magic fan? Do you just have Canada on there just for shits and giggles, or how, how did that come about? <laughs> of course not. I heard you say your boy's in the six. I'm actually in London, so I live in Ontario. And uh, I was just, you know, a youngin' growing up. And I was playing, I think it was like NBA Live 08 and the Magic. They they had Vince Carter on the team. They had Dwight Howard on the team. It was like, it was a really easy team to fall in love with. And I just love their jerseys. I love the pinstripes and everything. And as a young kid, that's kind of all you, like, you're not going to know the analytics. You're not going to know anything that's really going on. So I just kind of fell in love with the branding of the team. Dwight was kind of, I call him like, Giannis Antetokounmpo is kind of like the modern day Dwight how he's just a paint dominant presence and Dwight was that way too how he was just so fun to watch a generational athlete that you know no one else was really playing like him and then we end up making the finals I was like okay this this team is something to rock with and then it obviously kind of fell off after that but I've been riding with them ever since okay okay so for, for you it's more of like a, a young affinity like you found, you found love at a young age yeah for sure okay all right all right sweet man so I, 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 we had to get that out the way man i was being confused on that man but all right yeah no i'm really from canada i'm, I'm definitely canadian and i'll be rooting for our team canada fiba with rj barrett andrew wiggins all those boys okay all right i see you all right man so for, sure, for, sure. for these, um, you know, usually for, for, for these interviews, uh, like what, what we like to do is we usually like to talk about um, the, the, some of the highlights that, that, that the team has had for this in the past season. But, you know, with the season that, 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 that you guys had and with you guys having such a young team, the average age of 23, there's really more for us to be looking forward to than for us to be looking back. So which is why I want to talk to you about the current roster that, that, that you guys have, you know, right away. First thing I first thing I see when I look at your guys as a roster is that clogged backcourt. You have Markel Folks, you have Ma- Michael Carter Williams, you have Gary Harris, you have Cole Anthony, 
you have Jalen Suggs, and you have RJ, and you have RJ Hampton. So, uh, to you, you know, uh, uh, that's it says six player clog, super clog backcourt. To you, how are you? How do you want that to uh, to to go moving forward? Who do, who would you like to see as your starting one, starting two? Are you looking to ship any of those players? Are you worried about that clog backcourt? Just talk to us how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I got some pretty strong opinions on that. It's just like the way that I look at it, it's not even clogged. And that just depends on people's personalities and egos if they're willing to fit into what we need them to be. Cole Anthony, one of my favorite players, but I've always said that he's better suited as that spark plug off the bench. He can be a sixth man. He's more like a Colin Sexton where you got to put him at the two. And then you have RJ Hampton, who we saw after the trade deadline came in, one rookie of the month because he was running the whole floor for the bench unit and he was coming out like i said dropping near triple doubles so the way i see it is the bench can come in with rj as the backup one cole is the backup two and they're going to develop who knows what their ceiling could be but the big thing for me is gary harris a lot of people you know love him because he's such a lovable guy but he's on an expiring deal he shouldn't be seen as part of any of this to be brutally honest you know, i hate to say it like he, he just shouldn't be part of the oh is it clogged because of gary harris like He's just irrelevant to that whole thing for our long-term plans. And my ideal starting backcourt is easily Jalen Suggs and Markel Fultz. You look at Markel was a number one pick. He's that talent that he can do anything on the court. And his shot was really coming back. Like he's a mid-range demon. The first eight games of the season last year before he tore his ACL, he was putting up good numbers. And I only assume that throughout this time, he hasn't been able to move much. He's just been working on his shot. We have a good belief that when he comes back, he's going to be shooting the lights out. Not maybe like he was at Washington, but something serviceable is all we need. And I think that he can pair with Jalen Suggs extremely well because they're both defensive hounds. And that's kind of our, our identity with Jonathan Isaac, Wendell, Mo Bamba, Franz Wagner, Chuma Okiki. Like, we want to be a defensive team, a team that's selfless. And that's been Markel's game, just being real selfless. You look at Jalen Suggs, everything he said in his draft interviews, everything about him. He's a selfless guy that's willing to pass the ball, but he can also go out for 30. And Jalen Suggs and Markel just fit so well together because people forget Markel Fultz is a six foot eleven wingspan. He can defend twos. He could defend threes if he wanted. Jalen Suggs said himself that he wants to defend Kawhi Leonard this year. So, I mean, you look at our backcourt and there's no fit problems when it comes to Suggs and Fultz, which is the ideal starting backcourt. John Hammond said Markel should be ready for the number one game of the season. And I just think those two should be the starters because they have the most kind of say as being like Markel's the number one pick. Jalen Suggs was just our fifth overall pick. They need to be the guys on the court developing the most. Okay, okay. And, and you know, while we're on the line to Jalen Suggs, I, I got to ask you, how excited were you when you were watching the draft and you saw the Raptors pick Scotty Barnes instead oh, of Jalen Suggs? Don't get me going on that. Like, that was probably one of the best moments. I'm a Packers fan, so I mean, I've had some good sports moments, but like that was one of the most excited times I've ever had in my life where I was, I was in a party chat with my homie and I was just sitting in my chair and I just lost it. I just lost my shit. Like I hopped up out of the chair, started screaming. I was like, there's no way because I had been doing scouting for the past month on Scotty Barnes, trying to talk myself into him. And I just couldn't like, I was like, I just don't really like this guy for us because we already have forwards. Like it's kind of redundant when we have Jonathan Isaac, we just don't need a guy like Scotty. I was leaning more to Kaminga trying to talk myself into these guys because Jalen Suggs, everybody said like there was the report before the Raptors were zeroed in on Suggs at four. We had no clue, not like not a chance that we were going to get Suggs, but I loved him. Everyone loved him. You watch March Madness. He's a guy easy to root for and just so competitive. And like when he fell to us, as soon as Scotty got announced at number four, we just knew we're like, Oh, we know what that means. Like Jalen Suggs is actually coming to the magic. And that was, uh, that was just a surreal feeling that I didn't, ex it was better because I didn't expect it. Like some, that if I was expecting it, it would have been like, okay, that was part of the plan. You know, now what's next. But that was like through my whole night for a loop. I was like, I wasn't expecting to come out with Jalen Suggs tonight. And now it's like, we, we, we didn't even care about the eighth pick. I mean, all respect to Franz Wagner, when it got announced, no magic fans were even like, they were too busy still talking about Suggs. And then, Everyone on the broadcast still just talking about Suggs. Franz was the eighth overall pick. Usually when you pick at number eight, that guy's going to get talked about a lot, but he's been overshadowed so much just because of the shock our fan base has of just having Jalen Suggs here. It's like, holy shit. I just, I just can't believe he's on our team. And, and the crazy thing is, 
it isn't even just the Magic fan base. I remember watching the draft and absolutely losing my mind. I was like, wow, the Raptors just went with Scotty Barnes. When they, Jalen Suggs, might, in my opinion, is the best athlete of this entire draft, just an overall athlete. Well, he was a five star football recruit. He could have played for Alabama. Like, he's just an unreal athlete. Come on, man. You know, like those are those are the players that like he has so many like so many intangibles. Like, man, I, 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 I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for you guys, man. But let me um, let me let me talk to my guy, Jay Hill, man. So, Jay, uh, you know, we we just heard, you know, everyday magic. He, you know, he's t- told us that he doesn't feel that the backcourt is a problem. He doesn't feel that back, the backcourt is clogged. How do you feel when you look at that uh, that six man backcourt rotation? I mean, if we take out Gary Harris, um as, uh, as Gary Everyday Maddie said, it'll be a five-man rotation. But how do you feel about that? Is that any signs of concern to you? I mean, I, I think it's it's a sign that they with the uh, the youth movement, um, especially with Cole Anthony. I think is not being you know a reliable starting guard. I think he's you know kind of like a, a mercenary and, and kind of like like Everyday Magic said, he's he's a guy that's going to be coming off the bench, not relying on for you know everyday minutes and buckets he's more of a guy you bring in a spark plug you know heating up but I, I don't see it as a problem because the way that they're developing their backcourt is is for the future and they've got you know a solid rotation and I look to see you know Suggs when he comes into the league I'm sorry RJ Hampton playing more of a two two guard maybe the one and then maybe even sliding to the three at times rather than just playing in the backcourt all the time so we could see him in the front court so I don't really see it as an issue um, but but in terms of, of Suggs I'm just I'm just concerned about their their shooting um, we never we've never seen Markel shoot Fultz be you know a high percentage shooter obviously uh, everyday magic talked about his you know his mid-range game improving but it's still a concern for me uh cole anthony's still developing as a shooter and jalen suggs in college wasn't really a shooter and a lot of times you see with football players they're very athletic um they're they're you know can get down they can get to the rim um they're good scores but they're shooting is is the last least to develop and i'm never really i'm not too sure if his shot will develop and I think that's what the four other teams that passed up on him saw so if he can develop his jumper I mean he'll be the best player in the draft in my opinion but if he doesn't I think he'll be a serviceable guard maybe a guy I want to relate um compare him to is maybe a Mike Conley you know uh at his at his best so uh that's that's kind of you know as a player I say Mike Conley because his his jumper developed later on in his career so that's kind of how i feel about their backcourt okay okay and and um and for and for you everyday magic um i have a question you know uh one of you know the second thing that i that i would notice that when i when i look at your guys's roster is really the lack of uh, of depth at the small forward position you know besides the great the great player in terrence ross that you guys have is really really limited so i i i wanted to ask like how how do, how do you feel about that would you be i know you you mentioned earlier that you don't you know you're not uh, very high on, on gary harris would you be open to uh to looking to ship gary harris or even looking to ship uh some of these other players to get uh, a backup small forward um how, how do you how do you feel about that small forward uh lacking situation uh to me like because i i just spent the whole season watching the magic of I know that our small forward, like I'm cozy with our small forwards. We're good on that because we have Chuma Okiki and he was a top five talent in his draft class until he tore his ACL in the final four for Auburn. And he's came out and done everything. I've said many times he doesn't have a flaw in his game. He's an elite defender. He can move the ball. He has a ball handle for being a six foot seven forward. He has a great shot. He's got a pull up game. He was running pick and rolls as the ball handler for us with Wendell. Yeah, I'm big on Chuma, but at the same time, we brought in Franz Wagner, and it kind of projects that it's supposed to be Wagner and Isaac as our two forwards, but I think the way it's going to roll out is Okiki starts at the three, and a lot of people are going to find out who he is. He faced the Suns, lit it up from three. I think he was five of five from three that night. Like, Okiki's a really underrated player that just, I don't blame people for not watching the Magic last year. We were pretty boring, and we did the whole tank, but Okiki's someone that we all feel very good about and uh, really not concerned. But I wanted to go back because we were talking about Jalen Suggs and shooting concerns. And I just wanted to say, like, 
I have no concerns about Suggs shooting. In college, he showed specifically off the pull-up. His pull-up shooting is elite, in my opinion. And he walked into the summer league, and he was pulling Chris Paul-type pull-up mid-range jumpers over defenders, banging them. He has a pull-up three-game from range, like not just taking them right off the line. He's taking them from a couple steps back. Suggs has the confidence to shoot, and that's the biggest thing. You listen to Matt Burns on podcast talk. He says everyone in the NBA can shoot. Everyone's hit threes and everything, but it's about the confidence and the willingness to take them. And Suggs has that type of Trey Young confidence that he's he doesn't care. Like, he'll pull up, he'll take the shot. Markel's more of a set shooter. So, I mean, right now that's kind of all we know from him is if from three he's going to be a set shooter. But if he can get his pull-up game back going, they can both – there will be no shooting struggles in our backcourt. But with the small forwards, Okiki, I mean, you mentioned Terrence Ross. Again, he's kind of like Gary Harris where the plan is at some point this season, whether it's the trade deadline or before it, we're going to look to move both of them onto contenders because that just makes sense for where they are in their career, where we are as a team. But Chuma Okiki someone you guys got to keep your eye on because he's going to be coming out this season, whether we play him at the four, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because he's a little undersized for that. He's more of a three. And then Isaac, obviously, is unreal. Just a defensive player of the year type of talent. Franz Wagner is a combo forward. He can play either position. So right now, we kind of just have the three prospects at forward, which is Chuma, Wagner, Isaac. And they can all interchange between the three and four. And then we'll see how things play out. Like you said, we could trade Ross or Gary for a serviceable backup small forward. I don't really know who a logical option is, but a lot of us have been talking and a big... A big target for us at some point is Brandon Ingram. He's just one of those guys that would completely complete this core. And drafting someone like Imani Bates is another thing we've looked into. Sucks that he can't get into this draft class this year because he was born 26 days past the mark that he would have been eligible. But he's a guy we really want. Like, you look at our roster, and yeah, I understand why you guys think small forward is kind of the biggest weakness right now, but... I think we're pretty set for it, at least for this year, because there's no expectations. It's all about player development and seeing who's going to come out on top. And we have guys like Chuma and Wagner. They're going to be pushing each other for that three spot, and they're just going to keep getting better. Chuma's more another year removed off the torn ACL, and he's just a really good player. Like I said, no flaws in his game. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean... My only my counter to that is, uh, you know, for Jalen Suggs, I mean, uh, he definitely I'm not debating the fact that he was, you know, showed flashes of being a good shooter. Obviously, he can shoot the mid range shot, you know, at at a high level. I would say for the college level, but I mean, 33% at the college level is really concerning to me. Uh, if especially, you know, you said he can shoot off the dribble, which we saw at times we saw, you know, he definitely has the confidence. And I don't debate that, but as you know, a starting point guard in the NBA, 33% is not going to cut it. And also if you're, if you have the confidence to shoot it and you keep missing, I think that's a level for concern. Uh, obviously, with Cole Anthony, he's shown you know flashes, but he's definitely inconsistent. And then Markel Fultz is definitely an inconsistent shooter as well. So, it from your backcourt, I don't really know where the three point shooting is going to come from. And we've seen with today's NBA, it's a three point shooting game, especially from the backcourt. So that's very concerning to me. Um, and, and what do you what do you really have to say to that? Because I mean, I, I I've seen flashes as well from Chuma Akiki, but I mean the way you you talk about the the magic, it's like wow, I, I, it sounds like they're gonna win a title. <laughs> yeah, no, the plan is not to win a title this yeah. season. It's more of these guys are all like they're the prototype to have these great like you look at a championship team and the way it meshes. Like we have a lot of those pieces that all fit well together. And with Cole, obviously he was a rookie, and I just think inefficiency and low percentages is a common thing among rookies. No one has concerns about Anthony Edwards shooting, but when you look at his raw percentages, like you'd be like, oh, he's not a great shooter. But then you see the flashes when he's really comfortable and really playing his game, and he shoots at a great level. And it's the same with Cole. Like When it came to game time, he had multiple buzzer-beater game winners, too. It was against the Timberwolves, and uh, I forget the other team that he did it against, but Cole has shown an ability to shoot great. Markel obviously has shown throughout his time that he can shoot well, but I understand why people have concerns about Markel's shooting. I don't, but that's because I've always kind of had blind faith in him that he just has that talent. Everything he does, he lives and breathes basketball. He's not just going to stay complacent and be like, oh, I can't shoot, you know, whatever. He's going to keep working until he can. And Jalen Suggs, like we've said, the intangibles that he has, I'm not worried whatsoever about his shooting. It could take time. It could take a year. It could take a year and a half, two years. 
But by the time we're ready to start competing, which is in a couple of years, I think all their games are going to be so well-rounded that none of those concerns are really going to matter. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, the way you made it seem like was, you know, this coming year, Jalen Suggs is going to be a knockdown shooter. So uh, thanks for, for clarifying. He that. was in the but summer I, league, for what it's worth, but that's just the summer league. Yeah, like he came out yeah. of the summer league at the NBA three-point line, and he was shooting really well. And that was something that, you know, a lot of us, like you said, there was a 33% in college. A lot of us weren't expecting him to come out and shoot that well. But he came out and shot much better than he did in college. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, Summer League, we, we've seen we, – it's one of those things where you can't put too much weight on it. But there's also times when, when you can. So ho- hopefully for his for his sake and, and the Magic's sake, uh, you know, he, he can keep up that, that level of shooting. Um, but then – so that leads us kind of to our next um, our next segment, which is the Clutch Talk timeout. And, and what we do – what we ask here is, you know, who for the Magic in this upcoming season is the go-to player? I mean, you, ha- you mentioned you have a lot of rookies. You know, obviously, J- Jonathan Isaac, we don't know what his health it will be like uh, in the upcoming season. But who is the go-to guy? The clutch minutes, the clutch time, like when you need a bucket, you got to drop a play. Who are you going to with this young uh, developing roster in in Orlando? I think it's going to be Jalen Suggs because like you said, football player, like he plays a downhill game to the point that defense, we saw it in the summer league again, not too much stock, but the defense has to respect his drive and they give him a bit of space and that just opens up his game so much. And that's where we got to see his pull up game really flourish and, when we need a bucket, we're going to go to Jalen Suggs because he's not afraid of contact. When it's going to get, you know, the defense gets a little more aggressive late in the game, you give the ball to Suggs, he can get it done. Mark Hell showed time and time again. There's the game against the Lakers. LeBron was healthy. We won that game. That was a year ago, but I mean, that, like, that was before the ACL. But Mark Hell, you could go and watch the, it's on YouTube. You could go watch it. Mark Hell took over the fourth quarter and just kept on going at the rim kept on getting bigs to jump and then putting up a crafty finish at the rim. And then as soon as they started expecting him to go to the rim, like I'm saying with Suggs, he can now step back in the mid-range, bang down a shot. Depends if we need a three. I mean, you can look, get Franz on the catch and shoot. I'm confident in his shot. Isaac is a lot better of a shooter than people think. Isaac isn't going to be healthy to start off, but he's a guy that is going to be so much better offensively than people think right now people think of Isaac as like defense only he's a defensive player of the year candidate but he really he's talked about it himself in interviews where Steve Clifford kind of basically just held him back he's like in high school I was the guy I was dropping 40 on all three pointers and he's like I haven't been able to do that or showcase that in the NBA yet but we really think with Jamal Mosley who's been really vocal about letting young players just be comfortable and do them you're going to see a lot better offensive performances from Isaac this season yeah, and and my my answer to that question, I definitely think Suggs would will be the guy, especially like you mentioned, Jamal Mosley, uh, the fresh face there, who's going to be you know putting that faith in his young players. But my guy would definitely be T. Ross. Uh, he's definitely, I think, one of the better shooters, if not the best three point shooter on your roster, and he's been in those situations before. And especially, I, I go back to that quote when uh, when when Vucevic and and Evan Fournier got traded. Um, to the to the Bulls and uh, the Celtics respectively, and um, and he said, "I'm the veteran now, so I think he's going to want to have some some say in taking some of those shots as well." But uh, but for for my next question for you, what what um, what are your lineups looking like? You said that the clutch time you're going to Jalen Suggs. What what is your starting lineups looking like next season? And what what do you have envisioned for your uh, kind of off your bench rotation that six seven eighth man roles next year? Yeah, so for me, I'd like to see the starting backcourt as Fultz and Suggs. It's kind of positionless. They can both run the one. They can both run the two. They can both defend the one. They can both defend the two. So whichever title you want to put on them, point guard, shooting guard, it's not too important at the end of the day, as long as Suggs and Fultz are starting when they're both healthy. And then, like I said, I want to see Chumo Kiki start at small forward. That's something I've been real vocal about. And if that doesn't happen, I kind of think that's a bit of incompetence on Mosley's part right away because he needs to see what he has in Okiki, who's fits everything we want with our system, which is the pace and space and playing with the pass. That's something Okiki excels at. And then at the four, obviously it's going to be Jonathan Isaac when he's healthy. And for center, this is this is the big thing on Magic Twitter where people start fighting and a lot of people like Wendell, but I'm a massive Mo Bamba guy. And Mo Bamba, after the trade deadline, after Vucevic was out, Bamba was putting up like 18-15 with four blocks, just dominating. And he can shoot the three. 
his stroke might be the cleanest on our team. Like he might have the best jump shot on our team. Like as far as catch and shoot set shots go, I mean, like you mentioned, Terrence Ross is a different breed. We've never really had a shot. Like I've never seen a shot creator like Ross. He's like J.R. Smith, where he's better when he shoots with someone in his face. It doesn't make any sense. Terrence Ross is someone that, you know, if you're a young kid growing up trying to learn the game of basketball, don't watch Terrence Ross because he doesn't do anything fundamentally correct. He just does him and the ball just goes in. Like he's, he's so fun to watch. I love Terrence Ross, but he's best suited off the bench. Again, you bring the bench in because we're going to be a defensive minded team with Fultz, Suggs, Okiki, Isaac, Bamba. That's just a lot of length, a lot of good defensive prowess. And then you bring in the bench when the team's all tired out. You got Cole, you got RJ, you got Ross, you got Wagner, you got Wendell. That's a lot of guys that can go get a bucket. It's say we're lacking in the offensive department that night. You can bring in Cole, who's going to get his buckets. You can bring in Ross, who's going to get his. But yeah, for my bench unit, I'm looking at, I'd like to see RJ play point. He's grown to be six foot seven. And if he can still keep his ball handle and his point guard abilities with that size, he can be a real mismatch nightmare. And then Cole, like I said, is that Colin Sexton type shooting guard that you, he can play off ball. You give him the ball, he'll go score in a pinch. Ross obviously fits well as a, a small forward. Franz Wagner has room to grow as the four. I think that he was kind of brought in as an insurance policy at power forward with Isaac. You never know with his health. Like that's the one guy that I just got to admit that I'm always concerned about. It's like Anthony Davis. Every single time you see him hit the floor, you're kind of worried. Like, is this going to be another injury? So Franz Wagner's kind of in that prototype where he's that six eleven, do it all really good team defender. So he's a great backup power forward to have right now. And then I want to see Wendell spotted at the backup five. Robin Lopez is there, but he's probably not going to get any minutes. He's just here to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Man, he always talks about that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you, you know, every day, Isaac, you know, one thing that has been a common thing of, uh, of, of this pod is we've been talking about how, how your team is planning for the future and, and how you know, the young players are – are what you are what you guys are holding on to. So I have some player I have some players here listed that I want to know how you personally feel about them and how you feel that they fit your roster moving forward. Are they untouchables and just 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 anything that first thing that comes to mind. So you know so let's 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 start with one of the players that you you know you just mentioned and that's uh Wendell Carter Jr. I know you just told us that you would like to see that Mo Mama there but what's 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 the issue? Do you not like Wendell Carter Jr.? Because, man, I think that in today's league, he can be a very good four. Oh, play Wendell at the four? Uh-uh. No, he's he's not capable of doing that. At least from what I saw after watching him on the court this year. He's a five, but the problem is he's a little undersized to play the five. And that's why I think he's better suited off playing, you know, spot minutes, maybe mid-20 minutes per game, something like 20 minutes per game, just because he's not going to be able to bang or not necessarily bang, but guard bigger bigs where Mo Bamba has the length and everything. He can get up, block guys, hold his own in the paint. But Wendell is just, he's a, a weird prototype, almost like a Jalil Okafor, where I don't want to say the game passed him by, but Wendell needs to make some improvements in his game, whether it's getting a jump shot or, you know, working on his post game more. But he's kind of a zero on offense right now, aside from setting screens. So, I, I don't consider Wendell untouchable whatsoever. I mean, if someone comes calling and they want Wendell, he's definitely open to be going in discussions. And I'm not the biggest on Wendell, but at the same time, he did some great things last year. We faced the Bulls in the revenge game against Vucevic, and he almost outplayed him. We won the game, and Wendell had a great game. He had a double-double, a couple blocks. But like I said, his game is limited, so... It's nothing too untouchable about Wendell. Okay, all right, and then let's uh, let's stay on the the big man. Let's let's go to Jonathan Isaac. How are you? Um, how do you feel about Jonathan Isaac and, and his fit on the team moving forward? Extremely untouchable. Extremely untouchable. He's a unicorn. I've seen Heat fans out here, you know, suggesting trades like we trade Tyler Hero for Jonathan Isaac. I'm like, we'd hang up the phone right away. I don't know what they think his value is, but Jonathan Isaac isn't going anywhere. He's like, we had Jonathan Isaac in the war room for the draft and everything. Like Jonathan Isaac is a guy that is, he's not going anywhere. He just had his wedding. The entire team showed up. He's kind of the leader of the team right now in a way like Cole Anthony's soul, like that in the locker room gets everyone hyped up. But Jonathan Isaac is that calming presence that everyone can look to. He's almost like he's going to be the vet once we ship out Terrence Ross and Gary because Isaac had been through it all. He was part of those playoff teams. 
And he's someone that absolutely not going anywhere. I got nothing but good things to say about Jonathan Isaac. I just pray he stays healthy because if he does, he's going to show everybody how great he is. Okay, okay. And then now I, I, I know I know how you feel about about Markel Fultz. Know how you feel about Clay Anthony and Jalen Suggs. So so for for this last for this question here, I'm I'm gonna switch it up. If you only had one untouchable, untouchable slot in between Jalen Suggs and Markel Fultz, who are you gonna give that untouchable slot to? People have asked me this on Twitter, and I said it's like asking a dad to pick between his two favorite children. Because, <laughs> you know, Markel is just a guy that when we traded for him, it was like a breath of fresh air that we hadn't had such a great lottery talent, number one pick. With You look at the highlights, like he's just a guy easy to fall in love with. He's so serious about the game. Like I said, he's never going to stay complacent, and he's always going to try to improve. But... We haven't seen Jalen Suggs play, so it's tough to pick between them. And at the same time, we haven't seen Suggs play, but we haven't seen Fultz play after his ACL. So if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Jalen Suggs right now because he's fully healthy and no injury concerns, way less shooting concerns, just just a lot less concerns with Jalen Suggs. So if you're going to go for one untouchable between them, it'd have to be Suggs because he's got a full rookie contract that, you know, you take great advantage of that. You saw what the Hawks just did. When they had Trey Young on his rookie contract making $5 million, they were able to have guys like Bogdanovich, able to have guys like Capella, Danilo Gallinari, a bunch of guys that are on big contracts that you otherwise wouldn't be able to have. And Jalen Suggs on his rookie contract is just someone that's so untouchable. Markel's making, he's not making too much. He's only making like 16 and a half mil per year. But still, I'd rather part with Markel than Suggs just because of the team building aspect of the contracts and the concerns, really. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would have to side side with you on that, and also because I, I also believe that Jalen Suggs has a higher upside, a higher ceiling than uh than than Markel Fultz. When you just when you take all into account, man. But yeah, at this point, I think that's fair because Suggs again, he has like four years less on the age. Like he's so much younger, and they're already at a similar skill level. So Suggs, the sky's the limit with him. He could be like a six foot four Trey Young with defense, and that's someone you don't want to move. Okay, you know, I, I I have to say, man, I'm I'm surprised by the answer. I know, I know, on your bio it says that we believe in Markel Fultz. Because so we I- do, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to choose between my children. Like those are my boys, and I like I said, I want to see both of them starting because Markel's six foot eleven wingspan. He can guard threes. He can guard twos. Like he, if he wants to play shooting guard, or, I think on offense he's best suited to have the ball. He's just a floor general like I've really never seen because. He just commands an offense so well. I've never seen someone be able to draw double teams without even being a threat. Like, you guys know he's not a three-point shooting threat where teams are going to come press him at half court. But Markel, and within four seconds, he can just draw a double team and get someone wide open for a look. And that's something that you can't really see in the box score and doesn't show up unless you're really watching. And that's his elite skill that he has, is being able to just toy and make a defense his puppet. Like, he's just such a good floor general. And if you mix him and Suggs, they're just going to get so many free looks, be able to use their athleticism, their length at the guard spot. We're going to bully smaller guards when we see them. And people just don't understand that yet. But with the defensive mentality of this team, you know, we feed them into the paint. We're going to have Isaac and Bamba waiting there. They want to go back onto the perimeter. They're going to have Fultz and Suggs contesting. Then you have the team defender at the three, whether it's Wagner or Okiki. And it's, it's going to be you're looking for a spot to score against us, but there's not going to be many spots. Okay. Okay. I like that. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Magic being a, uh, being a good defensive team this year, man. But you know, as we, uh, as we transition on uh, to our, our next point here, um, I, I got to ask you this question. You know, I have here on my notes that you know we clearly know that the, that the Magic are a rebuilding team. But to you personally, if you look at all the rebuilding teams in the in the NBA, uh, so I mean, teams that are, are out of the playoff and play in, do you feel that you guys are in the best situation or in a better situation because when we look at your guys's roster your guys's roster isn't terrible you guys have good talent on your roster maybe young but very good talent on your roster so how do you feel about the uh, rebuilding situation uh, across the league do you think that you guys are in a better situation than most teams so i was just trying to pull up the standings of other rebuilding teams because i mean you look at the pistons i think we washed them with our young core they have cade sure but i wasn't too high on cade honestly not not a massive fan so many orlando fans had like tank for cade going on i didn't care too much about that i think Jalen green's the best young talent in this draft but aside from maybe the Rockets, the Timberwolves don't really count because they're going to be in the playoffs this year. I think it's between us and the Rockets who have the best young core and the best 
all-around team that meshes well together. As you look at the Rockets, they have Jalen Green and KPJ in the backcourt. That's going to work out so well. They got Sangoon. They got Garuba. They have guys like Kenyon Martin Jr., Josh Christopher. I really like what the Rockets have going on, but we have nine guys that are below the age of 24. And it's from no order, but Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Chuma Okiki, Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter. So we could have four of those guys be, I don't want to say bust, but not work out. And then the other five are still going to be really great players. So with our situation and the amount of young talent we have, just there's not another team that stacks up with us. And I'm just really confident in our young core within the next couple of years, they're going to build something real great. Okay. All right. Jehu. Yeah. And in terms of, in terms of young talent, I would say they're definitely up there. Although I would say that that Detroit's building pretty well uh, with, with, you know, Cade, Killian Hayes, I think's developing, obviously he was injured last season. So I don't think we we can, you know, count him out as, as a potential player who's going to... I love Killian Hayes. Uh, yeah. He's a real good player. They have Sadiq Bay too. Who's Sadiq, Sadiq Bay, yeah. Sadiq Bay, Isaac, Isaiah Stewart. So I, I think uh, Detroit's definitely up there with Orlando. Oh, yeah, and, but I watched Mo Bamba take Isaiah Stewart to school. I mean, he made Isaiah Stewart his son. How long, yeah, uh, but how long has, has Mo Bamba been in the league? So, I mean, at this point, I would consider Mo Bamba... He's on the verge, like, this is his last year to say. He had a good end of the season after Vucevic left um, just because he had more That's no coincidence, by the way. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, but but at, at the, I would say if he doesn't show anything this year, he, he was already really considered a bust in my opinion, but definitely after next year, he's going to be in a role where he's going to be, to you, you said he's going to be starting. I think they should start Wendell Carter Jr., uh, but I think if he if he doesn't show anything this year and he doesn't show flashes that he can be a starting center or if not even just a rotation center, he's definitely a bust. Uh, but but I think, you know, Detroit's up there, Orlando's up there and, and Houston, like you said, are, are those you know teams that are building uh, for the future and, and are in a very good position to do that. Yeah, I think Detroit has some nice young talent, but just with the volume of their talent, they've only got a couple guys compared to where we have nine. And on the context of Mo Bamba being a bust, like you said, you got to look at the context with it because for someone like Mo Bamba, the year he was drafted, then that year Vucevic went on to play 34 minutes a game and be an all-star. And you look at Steve Clifford, who was the head coach at the time. Anybody who knows Steve Clifford, Tom Thibodeau, their kind of coaching styles, they're not in the business of playing a young player. Obi Toppin got, I call it getting Mo Bamba, Obi Toppin got Mo Bamba this season where you had Julius Randle playing 39 minutes a game in front of him. And how's Obi Toppin even supposed to logically develop under that situation? It says nothing about Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin comes out in the summer league, balls out, of course, because he's talented. Mo Bamba's the same way. As soon as Vucevic is gone and Mo Bamba actually gets to play minutes in a game and not only get 10 minutes and once every two weeks come on the court have no rhythm no consistency doesn't really know where to be because how could you it's like as soon as he gets consistency and actually have a job where he comes into work every day and he knows like oh you know every game i'm going to be getting a good amount of minutes and i'm going to be able to play with this lineup or these guys and i'll be able to build some consistency and be able to play that's what it comes down to from obamba and there was a lot of concerns about his motor and, you know, not being motivated or whatever. And I, I think that's just a human nature thing when you look at it, because for him, he's thinking the same way I am. It's like, I could do everything in the world. It, Mo Bamba posted on his Instagram as soon as Steve Clifford resigned. It, it was Lil Uzi, now I do what I want. And that wasn't a coincidence either, because Steve Clifford held back Mo Bamba in every way possible. Steve Clifford wouldn't let Mo Bamba play. He played Kem Birch over Mo Bamba for all in the name of getting an eight seed which makes zero sense from an organizational standpoint. And that's why they got Steve Clifford out of there. Because they're like, we need you to develop young talent. We're a rebuilding team. You can't be playing guys like Ken Birch over our fifth overall pick. It just doesn't make any sense. Whether it's, oh, well, Ken Birch, you know, he, he helps us win better now. It's like, we're not winning anything. We're not hoisting the Larry OB this year. So, I mean, I don't know what, what you're trying to do putting Ken Birch in a game over Mo Bamba when at this point Mo Bamba could have been developed so much further. Because I agree with you that he's not developed as much as he should be right now. But there's obvious reasons for that. And it's the lack of play, the lack of minutes that he's got, the lack of consistency that he's got. And it all goes back to Steve Clifford. And eventually, front office got sick of it and said, let's just go our separate ways. Because, 
you're not you're not going to do this with Jalen Suggs. You know, you're not going to do this with Franz Wagner. We're not about to have a repeat of Mo Bamba because we need to develop our guys that we invested in. No, I, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with the, the fact that you said, you know, yeah. Mo Bamba. And as anyone who, who's played basketball and, and knows the sport knows that, you know, situationally, if you're not in a, if your coach doesn't put you in a, a situation to succeed, you're not seeing minutes. Um, obviously, when Mo Bamba, he, he struggled with, with staying healthy, too, at the beginning of his career. And, you know, like yeah, you mentioned, COVID like you mentioned, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, that they were competing or on the brink. They were kind of one of those in-between teams where I feel like Steve Clifford felt he could, you know, make the playoffs and he would, he could keep his job, which hurt the development for Mo Bamba and, and other young players in that organization. Um, so that's why I think this year, that's why I said this year, if he doesn't show those flashes and that potential of being, you know, a sixth pick, you know, you can throw that buzzword out there, but I'm not. It's, I think it's definitely too early, like you said, to to, to say that and, and mark him as a bust. Oh yeah, that's why I can't wait for Obama to get out there this year and play around 30 minutes a game and uh, just show everyone how stupid Steve Clifford was for doing that. Because you know that's a big reason why I was not a supporter of Steve Clifford for the past year. Because you have guys with unicorn generational type athleticism and talent and length. Mo Bamba has a seven foot 11 wingspan. Like there's just not guys with that kind of size in the league who can shoot threes, who can block shots, who can sprint down the court out of speed, ran at the combine faster than John Wall. So it's like, how are you not seeing what you have in that? How are you playing Ken Birch over that? And it all goes with Steve Clifford's philosophies of, you know, doing the little things and diving for loose balls and setting screens. It's like Mo Bamba could get better at that if you'd play him. But Steve Clifford is a little, a little too short-sighted and a little too thick in the head to understand that. Yeah, man, the the, the coaching situation over there in Orlando is definitely um, it, it, it's it's definitely gotten a lot better, man. I I also would agree, but I don't know if 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 the if Steve Clifford knew exactly how to run that how to run that young team, man. But you know, as we uh, as we start to transition, as we start to uh, as we start to cl- close out here, uh, two questions that we like to ask here in the end is. Um, you know, throughout this throughout this pod, you've uh, you've told us many times, you know, that you feel highly about the Magic this uh, this next upcoming year because of the coaching changes, because of some of the roster changes, and you know, you feel highly about the defense and the backcourt. So, where to you uh, do you see? You know, of course, bar- barring health, you know, we want a healthy season. Hopefully, not another COVID season. So, if we have a healthy season, where do you see the Mad Orlando Magic landing fi- and finishing? And then, do you see them going into the playoffs? Not at all. We're not making the playoffs this year. Anyone who thinks that, you know, take the magic goggles off. I'm sorry. We're looking at another top five pick. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. You know, I like to do my scouting. I like to get into the young players. And we're, we're going to be just adding more young pieces to this. Like I said, nine young pieces. It'll be 10 or 11 young pieces by the time this, this time next year. And that's something that I'm not, you know, I don't have any shame in saying that. Like the Cleveland Cavaliers might be the 11th seed and they're going to compete way better than we are this year because they have guys like Garland and Sexton and Okoro and Mobley and Jared Allen, Markinen, uh, Kevin Love. Like they have guys, their team's going to be better than ours this year. It will be lucky to be the 13th seed in the East. Okay. All right. All right. And then if you can give us one word or one phrase to describe about how you felt about this last season as a Orlando Magic fan, and then one word, one word or one phrase to describe about how you feel about this upcoming 2021, 2022 season. One word about the past season. Yeah. One, one word or one phrase that, that, that describe how you felt as a Magic fan about last season. Last season, I would say the best term would be grateful. I was just super grateful okay. to get off of Steve Clifford get that out of here. Super grateful to get the old core, the eight seed core, get them out of here and the stuff that we got back for them. It's all just gratefulness, being glad that we finally did it. Jeff Weltman, John Hammond finally, you know, made the big decision to be like, okay, we're not just going to meddle around in purgatory anymore. We're going to make a move that's going to put us in the right direction. And then that leads into this season, which is, I don't want to say hope, but fun you know it's just gonna be a lot of fun because like i said i don't care where we end in the standing we'll be lucky to be the 13th seed we're looking to add another top five pick after this year and it's just gonna be so fun with no stress no angry bald coach on the sidelines screaming at our young guys or something we're gonna have jamal mosley the vibes are gonna be right in orlando cole anthony gonna be cracking jokes making tiktoks like it's just gonna be a good time and we're gonna watch all of our young players develop they're gonna make mistakes no one's gonna be like oh, this is going to cost us the eight seed because no one cares about the eight seed anymore. And like I said, there's no stress. It's going to be a fun time. 
being able to watch everybody develop. Okay. All right. So, I, so I, I like your two words. You got you got grateful and uh, and hopeful. I, I, I got I like a quick question. Man. So, so you know, as I got a quick question. What's up, Jay? Uh, did Jamal Mosley grow his hair back? Nope. I believe that you're still <laughs> bald. Okay. Uh, okay. You said a bald coach won't be yelling on the sidelines. Yeah, he's not gonna be angry. But Jamal Mosley is swag. You know, he's a much cooler guy than Steve. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, if you look at Luka Doncic's yes, comments about Jamal Mosley. That's just something that. A lot of people looked over, but when Luka Doncic right. is saying, like, I want him to be my head coach, like you said, mm-hmm. my head coach, the head coach, I was like, yeah, that was over Rick Carlisle, who everyone knows is a great coach, but maybe not the style for Luka. And if you have a young player like Luka, who, you know, people complain, he's he's a tough character to manage. And if Jamal Mosley navigated those waters perfectly, what he's going to be able to do with guys who Jeff Weltman says, we draft high character guys, guys that don't have egos. It's going to be easy for Mosley to navigate this roster and be able to make sure everybody develops the way they want to and everyone falls into the right role. Yeah, man. De- definitely. Um, so, you know, as we transition here to our last uh, closing segment here that, that that we do here on Clutch Talk, this is how our closing segment works. It's called Guess the Player. Um, guess the, This is how Guess the Player works. I have three players here listed. Uh, I have um, you, and, you and Jay Hill each have two guesses to uh, guess the player I'm talking about. I have here accolades of this player, uh, things that they did, jerseys, number they wore, and uh, if they're retired or playing. Are, are you, you, you got it? You got the rules? Yeah, I'll, just, I'll throw some random guesses out there. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. This yeah, you is can just blur it out if you, if you got it. Like, blur it out if you know it. Yep, yep. All right, here we go. All right, our first player, this guy, he has his jersey retired in college. He's still currently in the NBA right now. He's a one-time gold medalist. He's a six-time All-Star, a one-time teammate of the year, a one-time rookie of the year, most famously known for waving goodbye. Yes, sir. There Lillard. you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You got it. That's a big one. Right. The waving goodbye is a little too easy for that yeah. one. Yeah, I had to. That, 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 that's why I had it as my last hint. <laughs> it's like, I got to get it, man. A lot of guys on Team USA have been uh, winning gold medals. So <laughs> I didn't know Lillard yeah. had a teammate of the year award, though. But he is a really great teammate, Carmelo. That, that makes sense, that. though. That makes sense. He's a great, yeah. He's, yeah, he definitely is a great leader. All right, here we go. Ne- next player. This guy. As an NBA player, has zero rings, but as a coach, he has two. Not always the head coach, but as a coach, he has two championships. He's a eight-time All-Star. He's a five-time NBA assist leader. He's a... Jason Kidd? No. I was thinking Jason Kidd, yeah. too, but... <laughs> oh, is it Steve Nash? Yes, it is Steve oh, Nash. Man. There you go. Yeah. You won them with Golden State, so... There you go. There's a developmental go. coach. I wasn't thinking. I was, yeah. He said, said not necessarily as a head coach. That's why I started instantly thinking of assistants. That's why I had yeah. to say not not always head coach. All right, here we go. Last player here. Last player. This guy is a two time gold medalist. He is a eight time All Star. This guy was drafted by the Orlando Magic. Yes, sir. That's what I'm <laughs> It's got to be Dwight. <laughs> yes, sir. He's yeah. got to be Dwight, man. You know, you knew I was going to have to go with it. You're about to talk about his championship with LA, too. <laughs> I got to talk about his championship. He's a one-time champion, man. One-time champion. <laughs> yep. You to that team. I'm happy for Dwight. I still love Dwight. Some Magic fans mm-hmm. don't. But like I said, he was one of the reasons why I started loving this team. So I'll always love that guy. Yeah. The pinstripes. Yeah. Sent, sent LeBron yeah, man, to Miami. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we beat, hey, yeah, we beat Jordan, we beat LeBron. We've upset a couple of these stars. Well, man, when Dwight Howard was in his in his prime days and his heydays over there in uh, Orlando, man, he was an insane defensive player. Like I, I, I generation. I can't I really can't blame you for falling in love with a player like Dwight. Hey, that Giannis yeah, I've always comparison liked was good. So. I didn't. I never thought about that. The Giannis comparison. Yeah, Giannis. Yeah. Like I said, he's the modern version. That like the upgraded. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an old car that was really nice, but then you get the new one, and it's got the interior, and there's a bunch of new stuff added. Like Giannis can handle the ball now. Giannis can play make. He's got a bit of a jump shot. Yeah. Like if Dwight had that, 
you, we probably would have won the final. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Man. All right. Especially well. in that era as well. The three-point three point wasn't as, as uh, prominent. Yeah, and as Stan Van Gundy was ahead of his time with that, too, because we surrounded Dwight with Jameer Nelson, J.J. Redick, Hito Turkaloo, Richard Lewis. Like, <laughs> we, we had shooters around Dwight, and that's why it was Dwight in the paint with four out, and that's how we got to the finals. Because we didn't have any elite perimeter yeah. talent. Jameer was a one-time all-star. Rashard Lewis was on the back end of his career at that point, just being a spot-up shooter. Hito was a nice combo forward. But, you know, J.J. Redick isn't like a superstar. He was just a sharpshooter. Just around Dwight with shooters. And that was the Then he retired today. Shout out J.J. Happy yeah. for him. Yeah. Man, shout, shout out JJ, shout out, uh, shout out Dwight. You know, because we're talking about him, man, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't know earlier you had mentioned uh, Matt Barnes and you know his podcast, and I, Matt Barnes. Oh, when he talks about that uh, that team, and he talks about Dwight. He always you would say like, don't bail these guards out. Like if they blow past you, let them come meet me at the hoop. Oh man, Dwight was yeah. a, a whole different mm-hmm. beast, man. I had to give him a shout out for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying you don't have Dwight now, but. When our guards, you know, they get blown by on the perimeter now, people are going to be coming to the paint on Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba. They're ready to swap that. Jonathan Isaac got seven blocks in a game against the Bucks. Like, you come around the paint here, it's, it's going to be a scary sight. It's going to be a scary sight, man. You got Jonathan <laughs> Isaac in there. Yeah, he might win a defensive player of the year award at some point. I, 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 I think we can see it. I really do. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, this this is a good point for us to go ahead and uh, and uh, wrap it up here. Uh, we really want to we really want to thank you, man. We really want to thank you for uh, for coming on here and talking some magic uh, talk with us. Just NBA talk. You're a very knowledgeable uh, uh, NBA fan. Uh, is there any last words you want to say here before we uh, sign off? I appreciate you guys having me on. This is you know the first time everyday magic's ever. This will be a little voice reveal for my followers, I guess. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a great time. I love talking basketball. Like you guys are knowledgeable too, so I always like talking basketball with people that actually know what they're talking about. We throw around the term casuals and shit. I hate talking with those people because it just you know gives you a headache. But you guys know your stuff, and uh, I appreciate it. You know, it's good conversation. Yes, sir, man. Jay, Jay Hill, you got any last words for the Magic fans? And- nah, nah. Appreciate you coming on every day, and, and yeah, this was fun um, talking talking Magic basketball. And, and for sure, I'm I'm looking forward to to their future there. Like Jalen Suggs, looking forward to finally seeing Jonathan Isaac back on the floor and Markel Fultz as well. So so bright future there in Orlando. Yeah, lots of things to look forward to. Lots, lots to look forward to, man. So as always, you guys, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and uh, follow us on our Instagram. And that's it, man. Just stay tuned for more episodes. And we out of here, y'all. Clutch Talk out. After you take Brandy to the prom, you coming back to school with shades on your head. Literally looks like a jersey that you would leave out on the side of the street to get picked up by the garbage company like the next day. Me and Matt say we're 6'4", but I think we're each probably an inch shorter than that. Me rounding up hurts nobody, helps everybody. Basketball tales so strange, you didn't know that you didn't know them. So listen up, y'all. It's NBA Storytime, available wherever you get your podcasts.